0: of this day, God has ordained to change your life and to set you free. That's not just hollow words. Uh, first service, uh, there was there was people being set free, and God was moving, and it is going to be a, a time for you to, to realize that God is moving the pieces in your life. Everywhere you go, everything you do, He's moving, trying to bring you to that point where He can truly rescue you from the things the enemy would put in your path to block you. Young people, he would like nothing better than to keep you numb to His Holy Spirit and what He's doing. He'd like to rob you from everything He's got planned for you. Doesn't matter what age you are, where you're in life, it's never too late. God is trying to put the pieces in place to reach you where you're at. Look, you're seeing a pastor and you've got all your ideas about who I am and what's going on here, but let me tell you something. He sees you. He sees you. It doesn't matter who you are. He sees you. He created you, he, he knitted you together in your mother's womb, he knows you, he calls you by name, and he is calling you out this morning, and while the worship team is still here, this is going to be a little different than first service, because um, with two services, there are many times that, that God deals with something, and we have to deal with it in, in one way in one service, but Jen, if you'll come be with me here. Now, my face looks a lot different than it did first service. And I'm going to tell you that um, Ken came down from worship in the first service, detected something, and left from playing while they played and prayed over me. And then probably longest-term friends we've got in this church, Danny Neighbors, said to me, which ministered to me a lot, because he remembers I preached for three months on we should be such a tight-knit community that God has put together that when something's not right and someone says, I'm fine, they say, no, you aren't. And Danny pulled it on me today, and he knew well, things are turning out right, but but Danny was right. You know, we we've been preaching on Wednesday nights on seven deadly sins, and last Wednesday was wrath. And uh, you can be seated, by the way. I want you to be be comfortable. We're preach on wrath. And so on Sunday mornings, I've been preaching from a, a series I'd done four years ago uh, called Operation Red. It's the, the words of Jesus. And we're looking at different things Jesus instructed us. And so if I followed the same path I did before when I preached a series, today would be on anger, which we covered Wednesday. And so in my mind, I said, well, we'll just skip that. There's no need to, there's no need to re-preach on that. But you know what? I am perfectly cognizant and aware that no matter what your background or experience of church, and young people especially, I, 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 my heart is drawn to you because I look at some of these faces, and I'm not picking at you, okay? So understand, because my heart goes to you. But I've been there where I'm sitting there thinking, I don't get all this. I don't get all this because you know what? They, they can't understand what goes on in my heart, and I don't feel, I don't feel God, so I don't know that He's working. I don't see God, so I don't know that he's working, but I can tell you one thing, there is evidence in my life over and over again that the enemy is trying to take something from me. What is he trying to take? So this morning, we were trying to get ready for church, and I had already gotten cleaned up and ready, and uh, we feed our dog raw chicken chicken diet so we have all these leg quarters and we got a bunch and one of them went fit in the freezer so Jen was thawing it and it was in the kitchen and I had passed through the kitchen the last few days hadn't really noticed but I'd also thought for a moment was like oh wait a minute that sat in a hot trailer for a little bit too so it's probably thawing faster sure enough now listen I'm not trying to pull away from the spiritual aspect I'm going to tell you what happened so I see that and we're literally within 15 minutes to need to go out the door and I'm like I gotta take care of that because we're not gonna waste that whole box of chicken I have to go all the way to Simmons store to get it so I start to mess with him and Jen says no no I'll get that honey you're all dressed up you don't need to be doing that I was like no I'll get it and listen I'm going to talk straight to you and this morning I, I, I choked I couldn't hardly get this out but then Caleb tried to help he went in there and everybody and I go in the, the box and I'm trying to get and they're trying to be helpful and I'm, I'm blocked and all of a sudden the bottom starts giving I'm getting chicken juice and stuff all over after I'm ready and I walk out of the room and I don't know how but anger took over and I took it out of my family and I said I tried to tell you guys I got this I don't need your help I just need you to go to church and be there on time Jen you have to be there for worship practice you gotta go and I lost my temper and I hollered at them and they went out the door and left me to drive my truck which has no air and everything and so I'm saying this light heartedly I'm gonna tell you I was broken I was not in any shape to preach or come to church and lead you at all this morning but we had people really dancing in the aisles this morning. God was already preparing. The enemy was fighting so hard to try to derail you. And that's what you don't understand, young people. This isn't just about you. He wants so badly to reach you that if he has to take my family out, cause us to divorce, cause us to leave the ministry, which happens in ministries, if he can do that to take away the fact. You know, Billy Graham sat in a service probably like this one day when that minister was had a war going on. I'm not even milligram, but I'm just telling you, it is a war for your soul. And they left, and I broke, and of course, I had to go shower again and all that. I went to start my truck, and my truck wouldn't start. My parents lived next door, but they have not begun to sleep. My dad had some injections and procedure, and I just was defeated. And I just laid my head, I was already sweating again, I'd just gotten re showered. I just laid my head in the steering wheel and began to sob. this is young people this is where I'm 44 years old but I sat in your seat just saying if I could just know God was real and he's proved himself so many times undeniably kind of takes me back I didn't say this first service but I remember when we first became pastors I had this Jeep Grand Cherokee and one Sunday morning we're leaving to come minister to this church and the Jeep wouldn't start and I got so frustrated I slammed my hand on the dash and prayed in Jesus name you start and that thing went right over after we tried for an hour I didn't have the energy to do that today. I felt defeated. I just laid my head. I said, I'm tired, God. How did I get here? How, how, with all the wonderful things we have going on, this beautiful building you've helped us build with volunteers, and we're doing it, you know, we're doing it and, and winning, right? And, and with all the great things we have, people that are encouragers here, and people that are coming out and working to help us. How can all this stuff, and I, and I just feel so defeated. And I came to church just to try to, Do my job today. And before the first service, I apologized to my kids. I'd already pulled my wife from the office before and called and apologized to her. But the reason I'm telling you this, see, I don't know. I may not be polished enough to ever, you know. I'm not saying it's the pastor that grows the church. God does. But you know, there's some mega churches out there. I may never be that guy. And it's not that I don't want to see souls saved and all, but you know, at the risk of being something I'm not, I don't, I don't want that. So maybe I'm telling you too much and showing you too much today. But I'm just telling you you often are lied to by the enemy because he says what you're dealing with is just you if he's torn your family apart or he's tearing your relationship that's just you and you have your unique struggle Struggle, and you can never make it to the place where you're shouting and praising God and you know recently I've been challenging if you just break loose and even stick a finger up in there how many of you ha- have been raised or, or go to churches that, that don't raise their hands in service uh, hold them up for a minute just look around ah, I just got you to raise your hand church But anyway, you can come (laughs) down. But but I'm telling you that the idea is not to put on an act, young people. I'm not putting on any act with you. It's not to put on an act. It's not to, to try to drum something up, an emotion. It's because you are in battle for your life. You are in a battle for your eternal life. And this church and all the other churches that meet around here, all those that are seeking the Lord, we are in a battle. And that's why God's been challenging me over and over over the last few years that we need to be such a community that when something starts going haywire, then we know it. You know, God's keeping people missing from the body so much lately. I was discouraged. I looked at 9 o'clock in, in the cameras and I saw that it looked like there's nobody here. And I just broke again. Just so before I talked to you. I said, God, see, I'm just, it's me. I'm just tearing this church apart. I've got so many issues, and how, how I, why, why would you call me here? Why would you do that to this church, or these people? You, you see what the enemy does? He does it to me, just like when you go and your boss is on you. Why, why is it always me? Why are my problems? And we get so self-focused on on what is going on and the enemy is just trying to isolate you and get you to the point where everything's about me and my problems and I'm an island to myself when God's saying, you don't understand, I created the New Testament church. The greatest thing that's ever been created for you to come together and to be a built up to encourage and to worship me and for a moment just with all the junk goes out there it's just walls it's just drywall it's just metal separating us but but that's not what's protecting us the spirit of god is here and and that's why we're breaking loose and we can't hardly stand still and i can't dance but but you know what i can't help but move because the spirit of god is trying to always free us and that's what's been going on here if you want it simply if, if it seems complicated to you what we're doing here It's simply that God is trying to free you from what this world and the enemy is trying to put on you. All the doubts, the discouragement, the depression, the disappointments, the hurts from family. The loss in your life. All those things. The enemy is trying his hardest to separate you from the glory of God that he wants to reside in you. And so I just finally said, God, I give up. It's going to be really weird if I don't show up today, but I give up. And I turned the key and the truck started. And I finished getting ready, I got here, I went straight to my office, and so you know the rest. But I want you to know that, see, it's not about just us and the reason we know the enemy is working. So I'm going to have my wife tell you this is hard for her because she wouldn't want to share it even with me what the enemy spoke to her as she pulled out the driveway.
1: Hopefully I can do this without crying, like for service, but... Um I got in the car and, you know, just thoughts going, and I wasn't even paying to the attention to the kids in the back, and just like, how in the world are we gonna get through this morning and do what you called us to do? And uh, the enemy was like, well, CJ's not gonna make it to church. He's either gonna get in his truck and drive away, or he is gonna end it. And, you know, saying that now sounds super silly, it's like, why, 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 you know, why would I think that, why would that, but the enemy is always trying to trick us. He has come to kill and steal and destroy, and if he can discourage me, he can discourage you, he can bring this body down, and, um, you know, that's a worry, I guess, that was in the back of my head, but it's like the enemy said, well, maybe today's the day, and, we need to be prayed up. We need to be in God's word so that when we hear a lie like that, we can say, I rebuke you, Satan. Get away from me. We have authority in Christ, and we can speak that out. And so to me, that was a lesson this morning. But I was like, oh, Lord, you know, we need you. We can't do this on our own. And forgive us for ever trying to do it on our own and in our own strength. But He, he's working. The enemy has a plan just like God has a plan for us. So.
0: So, you know, I I came to to preach on something other than anger, and then I I just said, Lord, I don't even have time to really get this reabsorbed. But um, I think maybe uh, repetition might be good in this this instance. But before I go into the message, I want to tell you this: I was I was in for service, and Lord, remind me when Jesus was being tempted before he was crucified. The the Satan came, and one of the you know turn the rocks into bread you know throw yourself down and see that the angels catch you he was in a moment of weakness and the devil was throwing everything he could and think about the family he's attacking there god the father god the son god the holy he is attacking the ultimate authority and if he can do that with if he can try to do that with jesus then think what he might do and how much easier it might seem for him to do it with us unless we're full of the power of god and listen I cannot express you enough. Listen, don't don't hate me for this. Some of you, I'm looking around. Like Jonathan, I've walked a little bit with you, right? And, and um, Isaac, I've walked with you. We we've, I can look around and look. I'm not going to, uh, some of us be like, oh, well, what's going on with him? But there's, I look around faces. We've walked some hard stuff together, haven't we? And at times, haven't we probably been wondering, why can't they fix this for me, right? Why can't they just pray a certain prayer and the power of God in them do it? But listen, God is calling your name. He's calling out to you. He wants you to leave the things that the devil is trying to trip you up. He wants you to to do things according to his word. He wants you to live according to his word. He wants you to make those hard decisions when you know something's not going somewhere and you're like, I need to follow the Lord and he's going to comfort you anyway, right? Right? You know those hard things parents do when, when, when we've got a, a child that's dealing with something and we, we start questioning ourselves and we start blaming ourselves. You know what happened this morning? After I got done with the anger to my, my family, taking down them, and I apologized and started to get that reconciled, guess where the angle turned? When I saw that it looked like it was going to be empty in first service, I got angry at myself. I'm like, why don't you quit posing? Why don't you just realize you, you aren't cut out for this, you know? And so we do that as parents too, Right? Our kids make a choice and we start thinking, what if I'd been a better Christian? What if I hadn't been this way and what that? And then he just lies to us, and tries to steal more from us, and just keep us disabled in our spirit. Right? The truth of the matter is, is the battle was waging then, it's waging now, and I keep waging. The difference is, is we can't go back and do anything about the past. And God is not a He's not a past maker. He's not a He's not a uh, a condemnation maker, he's a way maker, he's a miracle worker, right? the light in the darkness. And so, you know, I don't know what this does to me in my leadership to to confess things like that to you, but I'm just listening. I learned a long time ago, I'm a mess often, and I've made the mistake of just saying I'm okay. And it took me a lot further away from him. So I cling to you because the Lord's placed you. I cling to the Lord, but he's placed you for me to cling to. And I cling to you. And I hope you cling back. We should no longer have anyone that's been in the service for months and say, now what's their name? You need them as much as they need you, as much as I need you, as much as we need each other. Because when you walk out those doors, you tell me how things go when you go to work. You tell me how things will go when you're in your home and then he starts attacking your family. You tell me for just a moment that this thing God has created as the New Testament church, you don't need it. Even young people, the, the anger, the, the frustration, the depression, the why don't I have friends, why don't I have this. God is trying to put that in your life. He's trying to build a, a healthy body to build you up. But you can't push it away and, and, and go after what the world's got. But you don't understand there's so much pressure in school to follow these kids or do this. And there's so much pressure in work to, to, to do certain things or to, to work during times I need to be with a body. I tiptoe around that so many times. But do you realize the enemy is always trying to rob you of the relationship that he's put here for you? There are, there are enough people right now who call New Song home right now that we would actually have both services packed and probably overflow in the you right now. People that we know aren't gone. But the enemy is going to try to keep us so busy in our lives that we don't connect enough to ever grow beyond where we're at now. We've got to do it. We've got these great things called smartphones, right? That we can contact people, we don't have to be face-face all the time. We got FaceTime, we got ways to do it. Don't let the enemy lie to you anymore and tell you it's gonna to be too difficult or you don't know what to expect. And when people are resistant, push past the resistance. That's what heaven's about. We're coming to collect together and to worship Him together. The never-ending church service. And to be with people that we take along with you well, I'm not a good example for my neighbor and they see how I am at home. They see me the drinking the beer and all that stuff or doing whatever. They see all that stuff. or They, they hear my language. Well, listen, God wants to deliver you of all the things that, that the Holy Spirit's telling you he needs to, that you need to be delivered of. Bring them along with you so he can do it with you and them at the same time. I'm not just talking about the church. I'm saying invite them into your lives so that both of you can to come together to know the Lord. You know, all this and yesterday, I was with our uh, student ministries ministry team doing an appreciation day at Silver Oak City. We're riding Ryan rides, having fun. How how do we get to that point? How did I get to a point of anger this morning with all this good stuff? With everything seeming so well put together, right? I mean, I mean I'm even cleaner shaven now. <laughs> how how can how can things be worse? <laughs> Everybody made me think that'd be better once so I was. I'm trying to lighten things a little. But how do we get that way? Now, I do want to share with you, and worship team, thank you. You're welcome to take a seat if you want, or if you want to stay where you're at, that's fine too. But listen, you know, Wednesday night we talked about wrath, and how do you get to wrath? Well, how do you get to anger? Well, how do these things happen? How, how do I get, you know, this morning, that's one thing I said, Lord, how has a tender-hearted mama's boy who grew up in church and who at a very young age just would pray, God, make me a David today, make me a Daniel today. I wanted to know him all the things my parents taught and learned in church, I want to know what's real. I don't want to just buy in. I don't want to just come and hear things and then, and then live a different life. I either want to do it all or why waste my time? How do I get from there with such a zeal to know the Lord and all the good things and then blow, blow my top? I want us to focus again on Matthew chapter 5. This time in verses 21 through 26. I didn't even share my title this morning because the way we went into service, a little emotional, I didn't want to say anything silly at that point, but I did title this message, Angry Birds, Don't Let Your Anger Take Flight. Anybody know the Angry Birds game? Right? What is it? You got these pigs that have a really nasty attitude, right? And the birds are hurling themselves with big rubber bands at them in their fortress, right? Taking them out. Sometimes we do that, right? We get we get wound up tight. We got others in there helping us wind up and say, you know, yeah, you're right. That person's awful, or you know what? Yeah, they shouldn't do that. And we're wound up tight, and then, whoo! And there we go, and crash. We make this big splash, right? You know, I come from uh, you, many of you know this. I come from a great heritage of ministers and missionaries, and and spiritual giants. And I'm not saying that bragging on my family. I'm saying that they have they have been in a, a place of humility, that God has built great things out of their lives and affected many lives. And yet, I'm sure that they've all dealt with talking bad or getting upset or getting angry with their spouses. And I know it in my own home, hurting a family member or especially kids. Let me tell you something about pastor's kids. You know, um, I'm not comparing notes to jobs, but when your, whole, your dad's whole job revolves around spiritual growth of people, then when things look like they're starting to come apart spiritually in your home, even if for a moment, it's more than troubling. I know as a pastor's kid, it it can be very upsetting because you feel like your whole world may crash. So I had to apologize to my boys because they're tender hearts. I don't want to jade them or hurt them or turn them away from following Jesus people lying to us oppressive government all the things that they anger us bullies at school i was bullied plenty everybody got a laugh out on wednesday night Me talking about jerome burris which may still live around here i know he's probably married with kids but this guy wanted to sign up for desert storm when he had it because he wanted to go kill people and he was too young and uh we talked about dodgeball how he would just annihilate you and and they had a rule that if you picked up, if the ball came to you, you had to pick it up and throw it. And he was on left and he didn't pay attention. I hit drone burst harder than I ever hit anybody before with the ball. <laughs> and he wanted to fight me and it turned into a big mess. So, young people, I know that while we may laugh about that, sometimes those feel like it is life or death. And even the reputation beyond that, besides the physical harm, car trouble in the worst times, things you can't a symbol because the instructions are not written in English. Silly things. told somebody about the protein protein shake sprinkler situation when Jen and I, before the kids, and she was, we had just had bliss, and then all of a sudden we started learning how to aggravate each other, and she had aggravated me, and told her not one more time, and she said it, and I threw a protein shake and a plastic drink down, and it blew up like a sprinkler, and for years we laughed about finding little pieces of that but that was horrible at the moment. It felt like I thought maybe our marriage was ending because we'd never had a blow-up like that. Now, after telling you the first one and this one, you guys, because they're like 10 years apart, <laughs> you guys are going to think there's an issue. <laughs> Ask my mom. Out of all the Brummets, I'm the least likely to have a temper problem in our family. It's just very rare. But But the devil knows that no matter how rare something is for you, there's people sitting in prison for life without parole that they thought was really... It, that it'd be rare for them to be there for the reason they're there. I want to tell you a little story also about Reverend Danny Davis. Uh, the original sermon series I did on this. He's the one that 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 preached it and I borrowed, and he tells about a story about himself that just seems almost unbelievable for a pastor. But he said that in their church they started having troubles. His associate pastor had bought into a false doctrine and started going behind his back to people's homes and trying to spread it. That Jesus didn't have a, a real body. He had some supernatural body. So the, the crucifixion all was all part of the plan, but he was diminishing the powerful story of the gospel of the agony Jesus went through for our sins. And so he confronted him, and he didn't turn from his, uh, his untruth. And so he fired him, and they separated. And the guy went just down the street and started another church and started inviting and pulling away church members to teach them this false doctrine. and So he said the anger was growing. And one day he gets a call from the school and said, there's some people here saying they're supposed to pick up your kids. Uh, and uh, we didn't recognize them. He rushed to school. The people are gone. But as he described them, realized it was associate, his former associate pastor and they're his flock. They were there to take his kids. He got so angry, he started driving towards his apartment. He says, as he got there, it, it turned to wrath. It, it was such anger, he started contemplating killing him. He said he got to his apartment, he flew up the stairs, kicked in the door, got him around the neck, drug him out, planned to break his neck. He said the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and he let him go and repented. He said, but he could be sitting in jail forever for murder if he had let that take flight. And so how do we get to this point? You know, on Wednesday nights we're talking about seven deadly sins. Christians, come on. How do we get to the point where we continue to sin? We get numb to it, whether it's gossip or lying or, or cheating, stealing, whatever it is. How do we get to the point where we get captured and it just seems to, you know what, if, if this morning I didn't have the, the support I have of you where I feel I can tell you these things and confess and get it before the Lord, then what would happen to my family if all of a sudden that got easier? You know, anytime she, she, she and I disagree or there's something I get upset or something's bothering me, you know what about the chicken? cares about chicken we live in an area where chicken is readily available I can I can buy so much chicken I'll never want any more, right $15 box of chicken I'm gonna get upset it's not about the chicken is it and it's never about the thing we're getting upset is it usually it's disappointments in our own life uh, you know part of it was probably the fact of you know what this morning I realized is I did this fun thing for the youth ministry team yesterday I thought you know what there's so many people I haven't appreciated now I'm probably gonna upset people I'm gonna leave the church I didn't say that for a service, but you know what? That was part of my angst this morning. I had this panicky feeling. I put all over Facebook, how I'm appreciating our youth ministry team. I was thinking, wait, we've got people at work in the children's area, and they're, they've been working hard and doing this forever. And I, when have I done that for them? True story. You know, Jen didn't even know that part. That's part of what I was feeling really bad about myself. I said, man, I'm so tired. I just can't even think to, to treat people right. How do we get there? Have you ever been that angry, or am I just talking to air here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you for that hand. You raised your hand in church again. (laughs) You know, we were (laughs) actually, boy, there's so many illustrations on this topic, I could just tell stories all day. We won't, we'll get to the word. But (laughs) last night we're driving home late, and I had planned to get everybody here early enough that I would be home by 9 o'clock on a Sunday night, which is late for me when I'm preaching. But instead, it took longer at the restaurant. When We were leaving. Uh, we went through Springfield. Everything kind of took longer, right? And we still had to take the van we borrowed because I was having a problem, the church van, over to Pea Ridge and then back to Highfold Home and then get the ho- kids ready, which every parent knows. That's a process, right, to get them to bed. So, you know, we're tired. Eleven something at night, trying to get off to sleep. And we're driving home and there's some guy pulling a fifth wheel. It wasn't these guys. <laughs> they Pat and Tony's back, by the way. <laughs> they, they, tra- they travel the countryside uh, in their RVs helping build churches with U.S. Maps, uh, the Assembly of God program. And so they came in, drove a long time, got in three, the mo- three in the morning, still came to church. Encouragers. And So anyway, someone's pulling a fifth wheel. It's not them, but the guy is being dangerous. He's riding up on our tail, and then there's another car. Two cars blocking for a long time, right? And some of you that were in the van, we know we kind of backed off. because It's going to be catastrophe. That guy's going to cause an accident. And I found myself, I'm like, I, if I wasn't in a church van that had another church's name I have to protect, I'd be flashing the lights and honking, honking the horn. You know, it stirs up so quick. And we, we feel like we're in the right and it doesn't take very much to get angry. We, we human beings have been given the capacity to be angry. And in many cases, if we're not, if it were not for the Lord in our lives, that's the difference between believers and non-believers. Then someone's understanding us, our anger may have led us down a horrible path and let me speak to you married couples especially for a moment I spoke to the youth but listen if you make it too easy for yourself and you're venting to your spouse a lot and it gets easier and easier you will start something that you do not want to start because it will fester and grow and the enemy will get in there and you will be in so much angst in your marriage you won't be able to get rest at night you won't be able to remember what dreams you once had about your life you'll just start to feel like everything's crashing around you because you've allowed anger anger to be your new drug so eventually if we don't get control of ourselves we start thinking that would be a good idea if that other person were just dead and you've you've got shows now like deadly spouses where it tells all the true stories about spouses who have murdered their spouse because they couldn't resolve issues and they thought it'd be better for them to be dead than just leave them I, I can't imagine but So sure, we may not even physically kill someone, but in other ways we kill them, like through gossip or manipulation or slander, off-the-cuff remarks, making them look small or dumb or uninformed to others. And listen, I I don't know if this is the right thing for me to do or not, but listen, I I have to fight it too. If I've made a church member or somebody mad and they've left, listen, some of them don't just let it go. I'll think everything's just kind of calmed down and then all of a sudden get a nasty text or a nasty email. And those things impact me, yes. I mean, some of you have been there when it just takes the life out of me because I'm not trying to do anybody harm and we think of ourselves as good, right? But when there's differences between us, we can get to the point where we just want to harm and punish. Jesus tells us that as believers in him, we have to surpass the righteousness, uh, righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And what is the issue there? Because the scribes and the Pharisees were the ones who were set apart to be God's example to the people, right? To lead them, like the, almost like the pastors or the church board or the, you know, the, the ministers, those that know and, and should and, and organize a church, if you will. Well, what happens, the risk is, is the more you know the Lord and all, you start getting secure in your, your knowledge of Him and He saved you from all the bad stuff, you're a good person and you start floating on past experience. And once you start floating on past experience, because I've lived for the Lord and now I know and I've got this down pat, you know, then you would start forgetting the fact that you still have a sinful nature. And that the enemy can still get a foothold between you and whoever or you and God, just like he tried with Jesus. And so the question I ask is, how does this happen? How do we get to this point where all of a sudden we're so angry we can't even take it and we got to react some way? How do we get that way? It's because we've taken it like medicine. We've started to think that because we are called by his name, because our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, because we've done it long enough, everybody's accepted that we're Christians, that we get this leeway to use our mouths and our hearts as weapons. To, to either push people to do what we want them to do because we think that's the way God would want them to do it. So we now start doing God's job for him, thinking we are. But what we're doing is we're being a weapon of the enemy to just tear them down. Listen, people can only take so much, and then you might be festering anger in someone else, and you're the proponent of them starting to struggle with anger. And then you look on YouTube and you wonder why this generation that you disagree with them, and you say hold a Trump sign up, and you get pounded physically, or you hold another sign up, or you bring up a debate about uh, you can bring up a debate about abortion or anything these days, and you risk a physical confrontation. How does that happen? It's because the church needs to realize that we are susceptible just like the non-believers are because we have a sinful heart. Becoming prideful, getting to the point that we think that we've arrived. And that if someone, even when they're trying to help, does something we've asked them not to do or does something that we thought that we had the authority to tell them not to do or that we had some authority over them, then all of a sudden we try to usurp ourselves into God's place like Satan did and we begin to carry out our punishment, use our words as weapons. Matthew five twenty one and 22 says, You have heard, it, heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. So you know, Raka was a harsh word. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. The passage doesn't really require a lot of interpretation. Jesus says, you've heard it said. Jesus is talking about the Ten Commandments. And so everybody got, so we, we battle now over the removal of the Ten Commandments, right? From schools or, or all this, you know, we're battling that. And we, and we pick these battles. The truth is, I'd like to know how many times we are battling for to keep those words of the Ten Commandments on a wall because we think we're saving the schools, but yet our home, there's no spirit of the Ten Commandments in our home. Oh, pastor, I teach our kids not to steal, not to murder. Yeah, but you know what Jesus is saying is if you're getting angry all the time, you might as well be a murderer because that's where it leads. It's not, it's not the act of murder that's the issue. It's what's in the heart that leads to that. And some of you are probably thinking, can you not preach on anything else? It seems like we've covered this 50,000 times in the last two years or three years. Yeah, I think it's because the Lord is just saying, I don't know whether it's a social media culture. I don't know if it's combined with the smartphones and all this readily available. What it is, but the Lord will not leave me alone that we as a body of believers, as the church, need to get a reality check that we may be dabbling in sin more often than we realize because we're letting anger take flight. We're hurling our words or hurling ourselves at, at what we think is the enemy, and it's just other people who need Jesus, not the real enemy, who is Satan, who is pulling the strings. We're not loving the sinner and hating the sin. We're hating the sinner along with the sin. Jesus begins with that audience that has known or been taught all their life, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. It seems, however, that something was not being taught correctly by the teachers of the law because Jesus says, but... He's not taking away the Ten Commandments. He's not saying that that's negated. He's saying, what I'm saying is, is you've heard the words, but let me tell you what the lesson is here. And it's, I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now, are we going to be able able to avoid to be angry? Because this word also says be angry and sin not. No, it's what you do with it. You know, my, my option this morning, the, the, the true option should have been get before the Lord and figure out why am I feeling angry inside? Jen, the kids have done nothing to me. Why am I angry? And I should have realized the whole conversation I was having, the enemy was trying to put things in my head and the Holy Spirit was trying to fight it and I was letting the enemy win because instead of realizing you're just mad at yourself because you feel like you're not doing your job well. So Jesus takes it a step further beyond that. And physical act says, again, anyone says to a brother, rock is answerable. Court. He's trying to say, listen, before you write this off and say, I'm free and clear of this because I haven't murdered anybody. And then before you say, well, I don't get angry all the time. He's saying, how do you use your words? You say you're not a person who gets angry. You're chill. How do you talk about people and to people in your home or out of it? You know, I, I made a joke about coming up with Christian curse words or like Tim Hawkins, a comedian did, but also names for people in traffic. Come up with creative ones that really don't have any root in any real bad word, but I mean it bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to give you any examples. I don't want you to start sinning too. We're we're appalled at the senseless murder. I brought this up Wednesday night to our young people. We're appalled by the senseless murder of our, in our schools. But with the teachings of Christ, we say, being removed from schools, and prayer being removed from schools, and we say this and we blame it on the world, that they're removing those things and pushing out schools, so they're at fault. But let me ask you something. You, you may get really upset about prayer and Bible reading getting removed from school, but is it happening between you and your kids in your home or you and your family? Have you removed it? What makes you think that your home is not susceptible to the same thing as happening in the schools if you're removing it from your home? Oh, well, why not? Our Bible sits right there. All I have to do is dust it off once in a while. You have at your fingertips, when you're sitting, taking a break at work, you have the Bible on, on, on your phone, and you have the ability to send encouragement and, and Scripture to your family members, friends. But what do you do? Do you, instead of sending them Scripture, encourage them, try to build them up, try to push them in the right direction through encouraging them with the Word, or do you scold them every time they do something you don't like? And you say, I'm a Christ follower, but yet you are stubborn and you are uh, rebellious towards what the word says here. It says, if you're getting angry, if you're saying rock, if you're using your word as a weapon, then you're wrong and you're against God's word and he is going to hold you accountable. And you got to get that through. You cannot stand and say, I'm a believer and a follower of Christ and continue to willingly let your anger take over. And use your words as a weapon. Jesus is trying to get us to understand that obedience to the law is more than about what we're doing on the outside. I was broken when I started preaching. I said, listen, normally I preach to you feeling victorious because God has started to walk me through the path of being victorious from the things I'm preaching about. So when I preach to you, it's like I'm not perfect at it. I'm just on the path with you again there. This morning I'm preaching as someone who was defeated very recently. So I don't come to you with my own authority. I come to you with the word of God saying, Jesus is trying to get us to understand that obedience to the law is more about what we do on the outside. More than what we do on the outside. It's what's on the inside of our hearts that matters. You can come to church every time. You can do a ministry. You can even hold your Bible open and read a word. But if what comes out of you, remember the toothpaste example i can bring these back up anybody remember i'm saying if you went to brush your teeth in the morning and you squeeze your toothpaste and and poo comes out i used mud before let's be more dramatic today poo comes out because it stinks right and you put that in your toothbrush you're gonna be like what in the world who did this there has to be an ex- uh, a reason for this right now i finally got the young people i've been trying i got them in on it who did this to me it's everybody's fault But mine because i would not do that but the truth is when the pressure's on what's on the inside comes out and whatever you're filling yourself with if you're filling yourself with anger if you're filling yourself if it's self-hatred because you feel like you weren't the right parent or you've got you've got you know some of us if we've got i've got extended family members that things have gone significantly wrong with their their children at some point and they blame themselves get so angry and you got two choices either they will they waller in depression over themselves or they get angry that things turn out the way they did and they start directing others and listen you cannot punish others for your mistakes because god's not wanting to do that to you he's brought forgiveness if you ask forgiveness for past mistakes he's forgiven you he's forgotten it the devil's reminding you and you're taking up that and you're taking up the wrong cross So again, we're appalled by the senseless murders and things going on in our society, but what's happening in our homes? Are we we allowing things to to get us angry? So Jesus isn't telling us we can never be angry. I've gotten angry plenty of times. He himself became angry when he saw God's house being ambushed for personal gain. And we as Christians who like to feed on anger, we like to use that as a ha-ha, I'm just doing like Jesus did. I'm just whipping all the liberals. Just use them for example. You know, whatever. We need to take those thoughts in captivity and submit them to Christ before they lead us to unchristian actions. There are some things we need to be angry with, but it's what we do with it if we let it fester. So let's read on. Verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And this is why I had to apologize to my family before I got, it. I wanted to anyway. But this is the scriptural basis for why we must take care of these things. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. So this isn't just that you have something against them, but if they have something against you. God's saying we all need to rescue each other. We need to be the first one to move. Don't do the, the standoff, right? I remember back when and I don't like to bring up before my wife, but, you know, a girl I dated that was, that was country, and I wanted to try to impress. They lived out and they had a dairy farm, and so I would never really worn cowboy boots except when I was little. So I put them on. I go to a rodeo with them. Some of you heard the story, big hat, you know. Never walked out in rodeo grounds. Didn't know how soft that ground was. Didn't know how fast bulls were. But I volunteered for the Ring of Fire contest where they put guys out in a circle, <laughs> and the last guy standing gets a couple hundred bucks. And we're all good until the one idiot, idiot next to me. See, that's what I was saying in my head. I, I was rocking, you know. Then it, next to me, the bull comes out, turns around. They made the bull real mad. His paw and looking at us. Everything is fine until that guy decides, oh, it's not interesting enough. <laughs> he does this. And all I remember is turning. And I started to run, realized I couldn't get traction. Felt like a car hit me. And I went 20 feet in there, they said. Face first. And next guy went to the hospital. And, and, and the reason I tell you that story is, is what happens is, is we get in these situations. We put ourselves in these situations, right, where, where we're trying to do life together with people at work or in our family or whatever. And we got our own preconceived idea how things are going. Bull comes out, right? Oh, he's not really hurting me yet, so I'm just going to stand here and wait. These guys, I can stand here a long time. They'll get tired of staying. They'll leave. Uh, I'll get the money. Well, you know, I'll live in life if I just wait everybody else out. If I just sit in the pew long enough, you know, I'll just make it to heaven and I don't really need to, and then some guy next to you stirs things up and things get tough. Someone's made someone angry in the church and, and you get hit by it. And all of a sudden you're like, that it wasn't worth it. I will tell you, her dad, who never had any time to talk to me or said the word to me, laughed so hard I think he about threw up. <laughs> he was loving that. Jesus is summing up what he just said in 21 and 22 by giving us the appropriate action we should take as believers when we're tempted to call someone stupid, idiot, fool or whatever words we've assigned to them. But listen, it's almost like they had been teaching that someone had to to make it right with God and not with their brother. They had the thoughts that we sometimes have that if I prayed and asked Jesus forgiveness so I don't need to say anything to them. You know what? I'm going to tell you, something powerful happens to you. When, when I was away from the Lord and living like the devil, I had done so many people wrong. And, and I had a moment where I was just totally, we, Jen and I knew each other as friends, and I was snotting and crying every service, and God was freeing me, and, and I just was just so enamored to be in His presence again and have communion with Him. But I started feeling, not guilt over past sin, but the fact that I had hurt people. And I remember making calls to apologize to who, who were non-believers, by the way, a lot of them. And I went through having to watch my back in town. I had threats. I had people following me. I had all kinds of stuff because of some of the stuff I did. But I confessed to them. I asked their forgiveness. Some forgave. Some didn't. So listen, this isn't a mamby-pamby thing that we're dealing with here. When when we've had sin in our life and we're trying to follow God's path, sometimes there's still residual um, consequences for what we've done, right? Sometimes you still have to pay the price of what you've done, but the freedom in your spirit, being free of it, is worth far more than what you endure having to go pay the price. I want to just... I want to, in closing, read to you as soon as I can find it here. There's an article about anger problems prevalent among us with teens. It says nearly two thirds of the US adolescents have experienced an anger attack that involved threatening violence, destroying property, or engaging in, in violence towards others, according to new research. These attacks of uncontrollable anger are much more common among teens than previously recognized. In the past, such anger attacks may have been referred to by parents as having a temper tantrum or meltdown. says, besides finding that nearly two-thirds of, the, of adolescents in the U.S. have history, a history of anger attacks, it also found that 1 in 12 young people, close to 6 billion teens, meet the criteria for a diagnosis of intermittent explosive disorder. In short, IED. Now, IED from Band of the Service means a little different thing to me. I started thinking about what we're dealing with in schools now. And if you visit YouTube and just put in the word fight. We as a church have to realize that we have an uphill battle. Because the culture now is if you disagree, we'll fight. and, And this is becoming explosive. And literally in the homes, parents are creating improvised explosive devices, live ones. And sending them out into the schools and in the communities. We're like, how did we get here? How did we get this point? Believers, we know the truth. The responsibility is on us. If we want to see the culture change, if we want to see lives change, it has to start in us. If we want to be a light in the darkness, then anger can't be a main staple of our life. Anger and and taking out on others and taking out on ourselves, it can't be a main staple of our life. It can't be because it's not Christ-like. So before we look in wonder of what's going on in this world and how is it getting this way, we need to look and say, who is it that has been given the answer? Let's start there. Who is it? Is it the that unbeliever that's been given the answer? Or who has known the truth? We have known the truth, and so we are responsible for it. So it's not to beat us up or to push us down. It's to say, this is given as a charge to you. When we come in and we worship like what's worshiping, and you're like, I don't feel it today. Even when I don't see you, even when I don't feel you, you're working. The reason some of us are getting so excited about that is because we realize the full truth of that. Is I didn't feel it this morning because I failed you and I failed my family. And I didn't see you this morning. All I could see was my own self and my own problems. But you're working. Because it was short order being delivered. I knew, he was, I knew what he was doing when he, when he sent Ken down and Ken laid his hand on my chest during worship and prayed for me first service. And then I knew what he was doing when Danny said, I could tell in your eyes when I walked in, you're smiling, but I know it's not okay. Like, God, how do you have my number so quick? Let me tell you something. I'm getting a dose of my own medicine because every Sunday I see some of you and I see your eyes. and I know behind your eyes, the thing you're hiding is is you're desperate for something to change your life, but you're holding on tight because it's scary to let go. And you're holding on tight to what's familiar. You're holding on tight to those friends who you know are leading you astray. You're hanging on to them because that's what you've known. Maybe your family has not been believers and all you know are the people that is drama and fighting and arguing and talking bad about people and all that. That's all you know. And you don't know that kind of peace that God can bring to your home and to bring your family. You you don't know how relationships are supposed to work with God. I know it's scary. But I'm trying to give you the answer. I'm trying to tell you in his word, if you'll release yourself into him, if you'll totally abandon yourself, not just in worship, but in your daily life, you'll say, God, I don't know how this works, but I want you, right? Say, we got ahold you today. And what is the thing you told me between service? You said, I was hungry. So I finally just said, I God, I don't know. I'm just hungry. And guess what? How much does that line up with I tell you when I was 14 and I went to the altar and said, God, I just need to know you're real. I'm not leaving from this place until I know you're real. Worship team, if I can have you, come back. Listen, I'm not just talking and talking. I'm not talking about something that I just know. I'm telling you, I've watched it. I've lived it. And some of us are saying we are believers. And not you are. I'm not taking away from the, your name being written by the book of life. But is your faith dead? Do you feel dry? Do you find yourself getting sucked into negativity and just anger and all kinds of things? Are you trapped by that? Then I'm telling you, you don't have to be. You can be free of that. You, you can lay it at an altar and you can walk away. I'm not saying you won't ever be tempted to be angry. I'm not saying you're going to get angry. But as you give yourself to the Lord, time and time again, he's going to be there to meet you. Even when you don't see him, he's working. Even when you don't feel him, he's working on you. So I'm going to open up these altars. If you need to come find a place to pray, and give it to God, I'll pray with you if you want me to. If you want to just pray on your own. But this is a time that we're gonna take if you need to go, because I know we're at the time we normally dismiss, but but our our time here is gonna be at the altars. If you need to go, that's fine. But I'm just gonna say respond to what the Lord is speaking to speak with your heart.